0: The Boilmakers picked up a couple of wins last week, including Sunday at Michigan. Purdue now gets a couple of days before prepares for Michigan State and what will be a huge game in the Big Ten race on Saturday night in Mackey Arena. I'm Kyle Charters, Brian Newbert here as well. Brian, in a moment, but first this. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWdesignbuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the Ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill and downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. The Boilermakers with a couple of days as they get prepared for Michigan State. On Saturday, a chance for Purdue to earn itself at least a share of the Big Ten. Now, that could be decided even before Saturday night. Illinois still plays twice before uh, Purdue plays again on Wednesday against Minnesota. And then earlier on Saturday, at Wisconsin, so perhaps a share will be earned before tip versus the Spartans on Saturday night, Saturday night. Maybe Purdue will have a chance to win it outright. Perhaps Purdue will have won it outright already <laughs> by then. You never know. But uh, Brian, uh, a, a chance here, the schedule sort of uh, unusual for Purdue and then it gets another full week here. I think it just had a, a full week a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago. Not a bad thing. I would imagine for the Boilermakers.
1: No, it's it's certainly helpful. Uh, I think, you know, they've always put a great emphasis on, you know, being able to practice without necessarily having to be opponent-minded. And um, these weeks off, you get your NCAA day off. You can probably take another day off. And then you can probably have one day of practice where it's just your fundamentals, things like that. And then you start getting into Michigan State you know, stuff like that, that, that's, it's a great time for that. Um, yeah. It was a great time for that a couple of weeks ago. And um, you know, the schedule certainly breaks well for Purdue where these, there was no really like scary stretch of games where you're playing way too many games in way too short a period of time, like happened a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a pretty front loaded schedule from a road game perspective, at least in terms of some of the more, yeah, laborious trips. Um, you've got the two bye weeks coming down the home stretch here, so this is really laid out pretty favorably for Purdue, um, and it's just kind of leading to the seemingly inevitable that Purdue's going to win this league, um, almost certainly outright at this point.
0: Yeah, the Boilermakers come off a, a victory against Michigan. I, you know, Purdue sort of kept the Wolverines for most of that second half just at arm's length really didn't, you know, put the game away, couldn't get it out to, you know, 14 or 15 points but kept it around 10 uh for most of the second half against a Michigan team that I thought played pretty well. But look, if you can't match up against Purdue inside, you're just going to have problems. And there are a couple of teams uh, you know, like that in the Big 10, Michigan especially if it gets in foul
1: trouble is one of those squads. Well, yeah, I mean I yeah, I think you just described ninety percent of college basketball in terms of not being able <laughs> to match up with yeah with Purdue inside. I thought Michigan would have been wise to just go small and just say to hell with it, to hell with rebounding. We're yeah. not getting them anyway. Um I if I were Purdue, I would have been more worried about Michigan without Tarras Reed on the floor because he can't shoot threes, whereas Trey Jackson can and Will Cheddar can now will Will Cheddar fouled out, too. Those two guys, Tara Freed and Will Cheddar, combined for 20 fouls in, in the two games versus Purdue, which means what? It means they, they both fouled out of both games. <laughs> just, um, you can't do more than that. <laughs> you can't have any more than that, unless you get technical fouls, too, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I it was just a, kind of a classic Zach Eadie game where just the toll he takes on people was just um, really, really apparent in terms of Michigan being in foul trouble, basically from the opening jump. I think Terrace Reed, what picked up his first foul, like a minute and a half into the game or something like yeah. that, or two minutes into the game. Yeah. Um, and then just the offensive rebounding, just the, the offensive rebounds Zach he gets the fouls he draws the space he creates for everybody else to hit those little gaps for offensive rebounds. Uh, just, a classic tangible and intangible Zach game game um, against the team that it's just hopeless against him. Yeah. Hopeless
0: against him and hopeless against him. But certainly when the foul trouble mounts as it did, I mean, some opponents just seem resigned to that almost at this point. I don't I don't know what it He just does such a good job of getting teams in foul trouble without fouling himself. Now he did get in foul trouble a little bit there in consecutive games. But has managed to avoid that again here for the last two, which is probably good I mean it it certainly does change Purdue uh when he gets himself into a little bit of foul trouble
1: yeah, of course uh I mean he's he's the best player in college basketball it's yeah I think it's obvious that uh teams change when the best player in college basketball is on the floor versus not on the floor um but he's done a good job you know since. Uh, I think he's done a good job all year just not fouling. And I think it's not a matter of him getting a favorable whistle. I think he generally does a good job not fouling. I think he's very conscious of it. I think at times he he is playing to not foul too. Uh, I think there, every now and then there's the occasional business, de- business decision being made to not challenge things that uh, if he was free of the foul burden um, – he might otherwise challenge. I think he's, he's been very conscious of not trucking people on offense. And I think that's maybe part of the reason sometimes he doesn't get the, uh, and that he doesn't necessarily get the position he would prefer to have on his little hooks. Uh, and he's shooting a, maybe a lower percentage on some of those shots than he has in the past. I just think he's, he's been very careful. He's been very aware of the importance of him not getting in foul trouble. And, um, he's still been a dominant player, even with that in the back of his mind. It, it's just, he's just so good. And he's just playing 3D chess with everybody here in terms of, of being able to, you know, stay on the floor and, you know, dominate every minute of every game he plays in basically. That doesn't mean Purdue's won every game, but it means he's had just an unbelievable season.
0: Purdue must do a pretty good job, a really good job, really of coaching those guys not to foul. I think it's interesting, you know, <laughs> Uh, this has not been talked about, maybe as much as what I anticipated. The, they just don't call charges anymore. I mean, it's, it's it's remarkable how much that has been taken out of the game. The charge, um,
1: well, well, the rules just, changing in that regard.
0: It well, I know, it a lot but it's
1: yeah. to take charges too. So
0: yeah, um. you can, you know, the, the charges off the ball, you know, never happen, and and all that. But produce adjustment to that, and you know, being able to stay. I don't know how many times you watch Purdue on a drive, be able to stay vertical, even when it jumps in the air to contest as a defender, uh, Purdue's ability to stay vertical while jumping in the air to defend on drives is just better than a lot of other teams. Um,
1: well, they have guys who are just innately really, really good at that. Ethan Morton is like a savant at doing that. Mason yeah. Gillis is really good at that. Zach Evie's pretty good at that. Um, They just have guys who are just naturally good at just being straight up vertical and floating through the air and getting really good contests on people without actually fouling them. And uh, I think that's just something this team is just naturally really good at. And um, that's certainly been part of them taking a lot of points off the board for people. Uh, I, I, I can think of a number of occasions. I can't remember which games exactly, but Ethan Morton's flat out taking points off the board for people because he's done that at the rim and he is, uh, he has turned away high percentage scoring opportunities for the opponent just by doing that. Mason Gillis has done the same. Um, You know, Purdue's a good enough defensive team. They're not a great defensive team, but they have guys who are just really good at certain things. And um, all those points you just take off the board with plays like that, all of those opportunities you take away from your opponent with offensive with your own offensive rebounding that stuff really adds up at the end of at the end of games and uh i think that's part of part of what's made purdue really good
0: you know the other big storyline that has developed here over the last uh, couple of weeks of course is the the struggles of fletcher lawyer and, and his shot uh just not going down couple things first of all uh purdue's not going to bench him he's going to play Uh, because he's a valuable member of the team and because of the threat of him hitting shots uh, is almost equally as important to hitting them. Now he will probably want to hit them at some point. Uh, But look, I mean, he's, he's got to play uh, for Purdue. And you would imagine that because of the kind of player he is, that he will come out of this and hit some shots. I thought he started to do that a little bit uh, in the game. Uh, against Michigan, good to see him hit the one three-pointer and the pull-up into the the long jumper. Um, I think he hit one after a foul, too, uh, that was away from the ball, maybe. Uh, But obviously that one didn't count. Um, But what do you think about uh, Fletcher Lawyer here recently?
1: Well, I think the only number that matters is how many points your team has at the end of games. If you're just going through and looking at the box score, I think at the end of games to see who scored and uh, kind of conflating that with their value, you are, you are badly misguided. Uh, If you watch the games very closely, you can see that the space that Fletcher lawyer affords that offense is a big part of um, Zach Eady's productivity, Braden Smith's productivity, you know, things like that. And uh, you can't miss shots that you don't get. And he just, he's not getting a lot of looks and, He's not the guy that this offense is built around, but he's a really, really important piece of making this offense work. Uh, You don't always build great offenses by putting five guys out there who are shooting 10, 12, 15 times a game. You build great offenses by having great offensive players on the floor all the time. And he is a really, really good offensive player. And um, he, he is being guarded accordingly. And the same way Sasha Stefanovic did, the same way all these guys did, Ryan Klein. gravity they command uh, within the offense can be weaponized into space for everybody else. And I can give you an example right now that uh, I went back and watched last night where uh, a play for Zach Eadie happened because Braden Smith was patient enough off a ball screen to allow Fletcher Lawyer cutting from basically the baseline to the top of the arc completely cleared out the lane. And uh, it, it allowed for a a direct entry into Edie who then, you know, has the ball five feet from the rim and scores without incident. Um, right. That's the sort of thing, his passing, his ability to play off the dribble, you know, things like that. He, he's a really good offensive player. And, it, again, people are complaining about who's scoring when Purdue's putting up 85 points every game and mm-hmm. their number, whatever they are, offensively uh, in college basketball efficiency. I guess it's that time of year where people just need things to complain about. Uh that's fine, but this is kind of a red herring. And every every year at this time there are red herrings all over the place because people are stir crazy, people are starting to panic and um he's not going anywhere and <laughs> nor should he. No. Do you think Cam
0: Heidi's had a couple of good games in a row, including obviously the the really good one uh from a scoring perspective against Rutgers. Do you think Heidi was told to be more aggressive offensively? Has that just been a natural progression for him, in your opinion? I mean, he he is highly efficient in a very uh, various different ways offensively, um, and we have seen that, and we've seen it a little bit more here recently.
1: Uh, I don't think he was told to be more aggressive. I think when people help in the post, uh, they are dedicating more numbers uh, to the interior, and then when the ball swings, the ball gets reversed. You have basically a two-on-one on the back side, and Cam Heidi is almost always that guy who's in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been a, a good enough opportunist all year long and has made good enough decisions where uh, he's either got open shots or he's got a scrambling defender coming out against him. And uh, he made great decisions uh, in that game against Rutgers, uh, putting the ball on the deck and and going to the rim or sh- shooting the open three, and he just had one of those nights where everything goes your way. But I think that systematically, Zach Eady's gravity puts him in good situations on that backside, and he just did a great job leveraging it. Uh, it, When you're in that situation, you have to make really good decisions and you have to be good enough to take advantage of those opportunities, and that's what he did against Rutgers. He was really, really good. That combined with the fact that he's an athlete and he runs – when you have guys like that playing with Braden Smith, they're going to find you. It's going to pay off. And, uh, I think his one basket yesterday at Michigan, uh, kind of fell in line with that where he beat everybody on the floor and Braden Smith somehow found him a pass that 90% of college basketball guards wouldn't even try to make. Uh, and, um, you know that's part of that extra gear Purdue has offensively this year, where they can play fast, they can beat you in the open floor. I think Braden Smith probably realized, hey, Michigan's tired. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna go for the kill here. We're gonna run. We're gonna really push the tempo in this game, and uh, really took advantage of their. Uh, I don't know if it if foul trouble had something to do with it. I'm sure, but also they're just not very deep, and they're probably, uh, you know, starting to starting to get a little weary in their legs a little bit. And I think Braden Smith probably smelled blood. And when you have Braden Smith with the ball in his hands on the open floor and you have guys like Cam Heidi, and eventually a Miles Colvin will, you know, fall in line with this too. And obviously Lance Jones, attacking, attacking, attacking is really, really effective for Purdue.
0: Yeah, it almost sounded to me like in the postgame after Michigan that Matt Boehner wouldn't mind if if Purdue pushed a a little bit even more than it does.
1: Yeah, they just have to be smart about it. You can't yeah. just, you know, try to turn into 1990s UNLV when you've still got the best player in the country walking down Main Street, getting up the floor. Um, but they do have the personnel, and this is something that, uh, you know, Braden Smith's really unlocked in this team. This is something that Lance Jones has really given them, um, that they can beat you in the half court, they can beat you in the full court. They can beat you in the open floor, they can beat you with threes, they can beat you getting to the basket. Uh it's just a re- the most complete uh Purdue offensive mix that I I've ever seen. Yeah. And um yeah, it, it it's really gonna help them in March too, because there's just so many different ways they can beat you. Yeah.
0: Uh Michigan State late on on Saturday night should be a festive atmosphere uh in in Mackey Arena, I would imagine. It will be a Spartans team, however, that will be uh, on edge, I would imagine. I mean, Michigan State probably is going to make the NCAA tournament. A lot of the metrics, the net and Ken Palm and all that stuff are, are pretty good for Michigan State. But after a, a, a stunner, and I think it probably was on, on its home court uh, on Sunday, Michigan State probably is hungry for a victory. I, I would imagine that, that that will create a pretty good game on Saturday night
1: yeah it, it'll be quite an environment I think it always is for Michigan State I think they've I don't want to say they've supplanted Indiana as Purdue's biggest rival <laughs> but I think the tone of that rivalry has kind of taken on that sort of level of importance around Purdue Um, in part because they're pretty similarly minded programs and uh, you know kind of things like that but also the they historically have been really, really good and have had some pretty epic games. Um, This Michigan State team is not what they normally are, uh, even though they won one game in the NCAA tournament last year and thus were anointed as a top-five team in the (laughs) preseason. Yeah. Returning all of the same slightly above-average players they had last year, only a year older. Uh, (laughs) You'll get me started here on the... uh, (laughs) Funhouse mirror of the NCAA tournament. Hi, FAU. Um, (laughs) No, it's just – it's going to be a really interesting environment because, you know, historically, you don't want Michigan State in situations like this with their backs to the wall, so to speak. Um, But historically, Michigan State wouldn't be in this position anyway. Um, It raised this kind of broader questions in my mind over – whether Michigan State is actually capable of being Michigan State anymore because, um, you know, either uh, he can't get them anymore, they don't exist, or whatever it may be, but Tom Izzo hasn't had Tom Izzo kids in years. Yeah. Uh, You know, they don't have that toughness about them. They don't have that kind of grit. They don't have that, you know, Personal pride, whatever it might be, to make sure that you don't lose at home at Iowa when you're NCAA, or you don't lose at home to Iowa in mm-hmm. situations where you uh, you're playing for your NCAA tournament life. You're not even in that situation at the end of Ohio State, the Ohio State game. Right. You know, situations like that. Uh, if, if this were normal, Michigan State, you know, Purdue would be preparing to kind of get in the octagon with them on on Saturday night, but I just don't know if they have it in them. Um, and Purdue, obviously, with a share of the Big Ten uh, championship on the line, plus the fact that they're at home and the fact that they're head and shoulders better than Michigan State, you know, it, it's going to make for a pretty uh, a pretty fun game, but I, I would have to think Purdue would be okay.
0: It's been a wild year in the Big Ten. I, I, I'll have to look this up and maybe it's happened more recently than I know, and I, we're just not thinking of it, but Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan all missing the NCAA tournament in the same year is a, a rare occurrence, one would think. In that same year, Michigan State also being, you know, sort of an 8-9, maybe 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, also probably pretty rare. Um, it's just been a different year. Some of those teams that are typically there are not this season.
1: Yeah, as I like to say, after Purdue, the Big Ten is the best mid-major league in the con in the country. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think there's probably some to be said for some of the underlying uh, factors to all of that. I think you know the the um, um, the transfer era has probably not been particularly kind to the Big Ten when you look at you know how many of these schools have invested in uh you know transfers that it's hard man it it yeah. is hard to put together a team in the spring and then win big the following winter uh also i think the covid year uh to be quite honest with you i have some theories about you know sometimes guys are just done uh i think they've just been through everything and they've kind of run their course as college basketball players and maybe they're just not the same in that last year as they were in that second, third, and fourth year. Uh, Michigan State might be the poster boy for that. I don't know if they've ever really played with the sort of um, enthusiasm, the sort of spirit, the sort of intensity that you might have in the past, in part because maybe they're just burned out. Maybe they're just over it. Same thing with Maryland. There's no reason Maryland shouldn't have been a better team than they were this year. Uh, With... with, Jameer Young and Dante Scott back along with Julian Reese. There's no reason they should have been better than they were yeah. uh, or at least have been. Um, I think that's part of it, too. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing here. But I also just think that there's just not a lot of great players in the Big Ten uh, either. Obviously, Zach Eadie the best player in the Big Ten. But all of the other best players from from the past have kind of cleared out here. Who's yeah. the second best player in the Big Ten right now? Uh, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. Um, but it's not even nearly as close as it would have been before. Like last year, you had Trey Jackson, Davis. You had uh, in the past, you've had a Luca Garza. Yeah, you've had guys like that, and now you have like Shamir Young and Boo Booey. Uh, <laughs> Terrence Shannon. Ter-
0: Terrence Shannon's in there. You know, he's
1: probably, yeah, he's probably well, he's
0: probably the number two. But yes. I understand yeah. your greater point,
1: but he also missed half the season, and yeah. he he shouldn't be on the court. Period. But yeah. that's another topic for another time. Um, Marcus Damask, you know, has been really good too, um, but it's just there's just not the same. If you look at the Big Ten a couple of years ago, you had all these dudes, man. You had all these all these. First, second team, all Big Ten guys up and down. The big guys alone. When you had Kofi, you had, um, you know, you had Garza, you had Trace Jackson Davis. You just had dudes up and down the league. Yeah, and now all of that has cleared out for the most part. And now it's Zach Eady and a veritable cast of thousands in terms of great players in the Big Ten. Boo Booey is probably your second best player in the league, and. You know he, he's a good player, but I mean he's not he's not like an all American, uh, you know stuff like that. So I I just think the Big Ten top to bottom, um, there have been some changes too. Kevin Willard at Maryland coming in last year, Mike Rhodes at Penn State coming in this year. Uh, Rutgers is in kind of a window between their last great core and what they got coming in next year. Yeah, I just think it was kind of one of those years where everything just kind of bottomed out. It, does it stay that way though? I mean, I I have no idea. Uh, I, I, I've been kind to say no, but you never know.
0: Thanks Brian. Yep. At Purdue federal credit union, it's about a relationship, a relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life, a relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show. For Brian Newbert, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.